Hello, and welcome to You Are Now Aware, where we speak of mysterious murders, scary stories, and conspiracy theories. This is the first and possibly even only episode of the show, but here I am, your host, Alex Wiseman-Rose. Like any first episode of anything, I should probably introduce myself and talk more about myself and what I hope to accomplish in this show. And I hope for you all to be more aware of some of the creepier things and theories in life. Because, well, I am, so why can't you be? All language aside, welcome to my podcast. The first case we're looking at today is the mysterious case of Elisa Lam, a case that is extremely infamous and still seems as something of unsolved to this day. To give a little bit of background for you if you live under a rock, this case centers around a young woman named Elisa Lam. Elisa Lam was born in Vancouver of British Columbia, Canada on the 30th day of April in 1991. She was one who loved fashion, art, but unfortunately suffered from depression and bipolar disorder. She was a student at the University of British Columbia and in 2013 embarked on a journey that would end up being her last. She went through numerous cities in the U.S., and her last stop would be in Los Angeles, California, after visiting the San Diego Zoo. That would also be the last time that she would write on her blog, documenting her trip to the zoo and checking into the infamous Cecil Hotel on the 26th of January. Now, I want to put this aside here, that Elisa Lam is still a human. We don't want to completely dehumanize her and point at her like this is some circus show this is real and this wasn't some sort of joke at all and a lot of what people do is that they just I basically talk shit now the Cecil Hotel deserves its own episode but because it's been a place of many mysterious fatalities and serial killers the first documented suicide in this infamous hotel was in 1931, only a couple years after its opening, and ever since that, the hotel has been shrouded in death and mystery. By the 1960s, longtime residents would later call this hotel Cecil the Suicide, and became known as a hotspot for illegal activities. Prostitution was common around the hotel. Even during the daytime, even some drug deals would be happening in broad daylight. Infamous people, such as the Black Dahlia, had been seen in the hotel's day before her notoriously brutal death. And also, well-liked retired telephone operator, the Bird Woman, was brutally killed in that building. She was known as one of the few lights of that building, and just like all good things in that building, was eventually snuffed out. There's also news of a couple serial killers residing in that building. One of the more famous ones being... Uh, which he killed, one that killed 13 people and attempted to kill five more, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. He was famous for invading homes. It took him a number of years before he was finally caught. His name was Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker. His name was a bit misleading because he wasn't actually known for stalking. That was more of just a name they put on the news to make him sound a lot scarier than he was but he was still incredibly scary. He mainly targeted young women and would go, nothing could stop him. He invaded homes and would usually kill any sort of husband before going for the wife and doing awful things. This made Skid Row a lot more dangerous. 
and people were told to stay in their homes or at least walk in twos. Parents warned their children to never even head down Skid Row anymore. Not that it was a popular spot to begin with. Another famous uh, serial killer of the time was Jack Unterweger, an Austrian who later specifically came to Cecil Hotel so he could live as the Night Stalker did. He wanted to feel the same rush as killing, and he disguised his visit as simply a report of the horrors of the Cecil Hotel. Jack Unterweger went on rides with the police officers, acting as if he was reporting as he scouted out his victims. He would have the police officers take him to areas of prostitution just so he knew where to later go for his victims. It wouldn't be till after he went back to Austria that he was caught. As of now, the hotel has changed names to stay on Maine to try and escape its incredibly ugly past, a PR move that hasn't really done it many favors. Nowadays, it tries to masquerade as something else, and it's trying to move away from the hotel scene in general. This was a bit more, more of a sidestep than I expected, and a lot more information regarding the Seesaw Hotel, but it's always good to have background. On February of 2013, residents of the Seesaw Hotel began to complain of their water tasting funny. There were problems with the water pressure, the water smelled strange, and even started to come from the faucets looking black as death. A lot of people shrugged this off originally. Some reporters even making jokes of it, saying it was the normal Cecil Hotel or just the normal Los Angeles area. It wasn't looked into until a couple more complaints became rolling in. Enough people complained that a member of maintenance went to the roof to check on the hotel's main water tank. Unlocking the dar door and disarming the alarm, climbing two ladders get to get to the top of the main tank. The maintenance worker discovered the latch of the tank was open, and peering in, the man saw a corpse of a woman staring face up in the tank of water. Now, first of all, a huge thing of note is that the latch was open, and the latch is 20 pounds. It is no easy feat to lift, and so, at first, this clearly looked like foul play. This was the body of Elisa Lamb. Elisa had already been reported missing earlier when her parents didn't get her daily call and knew something was strange. They called the police and had them search the premise for any sort of sign of her. The police did not try very hard because they couldn't find any sort of intent for a crime at all or any sort of hint at all. The police never bothered to check the water tanks anyways, but to be fair, that was something that only a staff could really access. The discovery of her body raised thousands of more questions than it answers. Questions such as, how and why did she get to the roof? How did she get past the locked door, an armed door, and open the latch without any sort of access? Was the result of this some sort of foul play? Murder? Suicide? And the biggest question of all, what was going on in the surveillance video in the elevator? Yes, the elevator. What brings the most attention to this case in general. The elevator footage wouldn't be released for quite a while. The police even staying quiet for a couple of days. They had no clues and just took it, their body to the coroners for some sort of autopsy. It would take a while for the coroners to have their work done. The elevator footage would be released first. And when the elevator was footage was released to the public, questions were raised. Here we see Elisa Lamb step into the elevator and carefully press multiple buttons. After this, she would peek out of the elevator as if she was being followed. 
No one is seen on screen and the camera only shows the elevator. There are no other cameras working at this time. She seems cautious, worried, and presses herself against the wall of the elevator for a moment, as if to hide herself. Some have described this as an uncomfortable game of hide-and-seek. This was very out of character for Elisa Lam. She wasn't the type to seem cautious or worried. This clearly looked as if someone was following her. But her next actions would say otherwise. She is soon seen stepping out of the elevator, and though most of her body is covered by the doorway of the elevator, she is still seen moving her hands in a weird, awkward fashion, as if she's motioning to someone out of sight, yet the hand movements are awkward and stilted and no way natural. She twists her arms and fingers and wrists. It's odd. It's not a good sight to see. This whole video is eerie and speaks of something that almost seems supernatural. Psychologists have labeled this as a symptom of a psychotic breakdown. Though, no one is actually 100% sure. During this four-minute video, the elevator doors never seem to close until she walks out of the frame. Some speculate that there must have been someone watching or manually keeping the door open from the front of the desk. A security sifts person of some sort. Others say that the idea that the elevator was simply overwhelmed with all the buttons pressed. But then there's the theory that many people believe that the dark spirits that are chained down to the hotel kept the door open until finally closing it when she left. Through the footage, it reveals the doors to open and close many more times after she's out of sight. No one is there. Could this have been someone watching through the cameras? Or could it have been the suffering spirits to the hotel? Probably not the latter, but it's an interesting idea. This footage was an anomaly of sorts. She was not known to act this way. Stepping out of the elevator, what caught people off guard the most, and what still haunts people, is the way she moved her hands. It's impossible to really capture what happened in that video with my words. It's something you should watch. So go ahead and search Elisa Lam elevator footage. It's worth the four minutes that it takes. Feel free to watch it at any time. Everyone was wondering what the coroners were hiding and why no official cause of death was released. It seemed to take days for the coroners to fully get any sort of idea. It seems everyone was stumped. Police officers were left pacing. Detectives were left baffled. No one truly knew what happened to Elisa Lam. It was a huge mystery. There was only rage and more confusion as the coroners finally released a statement. Soon, it was ruled as an accidental drowning, and her bipolar disorder was being credited as the cause. Signs of her medication were found in her system, but there were no sign of her being under any sort of other influence. No sign of alcohol, no sign of any drugs, nothing that could be credited as to why she was acting so strange. It was odd. The autopsy may have revealed the death by drowning, but how did she get there? It was clear that she drowned. 
Her lungs were filled with water, and her body clearly looked as if it had been in water for days. She did not look strangled or harmed in any of her sort of way, not a way a coroner could even see. She was in there for a couple of weeks, though, so who's to really know? This whole case, it went all over the internet. People were going absolutely wild. So many questions were raised. This seemed absolutely impossible for her to get past the locked door, and with no key, but it also seemed impossible that she could get past any sort of alarmed deal door without setting any sort of alarms. Originally, it was thought that the roof door was the only way up there, yet only the staff were the ones that had access to the place. She was forced to the roof? Was that possible? Was she told to, coerced? Was that her goal? There were, all never ca there were no other cameras that had Elisa in the footage, so it's hard to tell. This has led for the Cecil Hotel to go under immaculate fire. A lot of people are baffled that they had no other cameras working in the building. It seemed almost as if a setup. No one truly knew what happened to her, and the fact that the only camera raised more questions made people all the more angrier. No one could put a finger on it. The police and detectives were soon to give up, not really giving this case any more time of day. There were no other cameras that had Elisa on it, and she wasn't heard for after that. She was never seen. According to other sources, sources such as the famous mortician Caitlin Doty, who has been a lot of inspiration for this podcast in general, has pointed that there was another way to get up to the roof. An unalarmed fire escape. Something you would have to travel through the window, actively stepping out and going there. She went to the hotel herself and found out that it wouldn't be too hard to get from the roof from there. No easy task, but with determination, she said, it would have been easy. Keep in mind that the latch was also found open, according to the maintenance man that discovered her. This wasn't actually found for quite a bit of time. It would take a couple months till the maintenance person said on record that he was sure the door was open, which leads more signs of possible foul play which made it all the more unfortunate when a judge later dismissed the idea of wrongful death or foul play by her parents. Her parents kept pushing that this was impossible. This wasn't their daughter. This wasn't the person they knew. She wasn't just going to go up there and drown her. She wasn't known for such incredible breakdowns that would drive her to do something so... unfortunate. But the judge shrugged it off. With the coroner's concluding that it was not a suicide or a murder, doing it to being credited as a, as a psychotic breakdown, it was just seen as a full accidental death, nothing more about it. Though, so is that really the case? Another thing of note, Elisa Lamb's phone was never found. There were absolutely no traces of it anywhere, anywhere around the scene. If she was really forced to the roof, what happened to her phone? She was in the hotel the whole time. She, there was no record of her leaving after the elevator, and it also didn't look like she was anywhere near her room during the whole episode, as they called it. Was it possible that her phone was gotten rid of? Was it possible that in her so-called psychotic breakdown, she got rid of her phone, but without a trace? Her room looked fine. Everything was there except her phone. 
It made absolutely no sense. Did no one notice someone force her out of the window and take her up the possible three fire escapes and take her to the roof? It's not like these streets were uncommon, but it was common for people to keep quiet over everything they saw. But if she was really forced, wouldn't she scream or make any sort of noise? Some say that, but with the state she was in, she could have easily been coerced or quieted down. And it's easy to keep of note that if you were determined, it would be easy and extremely possible to get all the way up there. And if the door was open, she could have slipped in. But why was the door open? Did she open it herself? 20 pounds? It wouldn't have been easy. So it couldn't have been accidental. How would she have accidentally fallen in? So, once again the question, did a member of the staff take her up there and disarm the alarm himself, or themselves, or herself? Using the much easier roof door instead, did she really get somehow up there instead herself? The biggest question that is still yet to be answered is the elevator footage. Was someone actually following Elisa Lamb? The fact that she stands there and looks side to side and steps in, then presses herself against the wall of the elevator as if hiding, only to step out and peer again. It can be credited as an episode of paranoia. She is known for having anxiety, but she's never said anything about worrying of people following. That is completely no, new, and at the Cecil Hotel, it's not out of the ordinary to be too scared, so I guess that's something to take into advantage as well. But why would someone act so strange when no drugs or alcohol were in the system? Elisa Lam was known as outgoing, lively, and very friendly. She may have suffered from depression, but she was known for hiding it fairly well. So the hand movements seemed completely out of character. That seems the theme of this case. Questions after question and no answer. Will we ever know what happened to Elisa Lam? We'll be back after one moment.